the various industries agree on so much until it comes to excise <laughs> because they've all got their own point of view. Yeah, exactly. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap-up of all that's made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views, and a couple of issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter... Senior journalist and rookie Claire Burnett. <laughs> All in one go. Hello, Pete. G'day, guys. <laughs> Morning, Pete. What's up? Oh, well, Ooh, it, it, well, been busy. Uh, you said just throwing a bit of bait <laughs> out there. We we don't know. Um, let me put it that way. We don't know, but uh, not yet. I'm still on holiday down here, Matt. So. Okay. <laughs> maybe you're a bit removed, and maybe the, uh, the the lockdowns. But it's fair to say that there are jungle drums a beating at the moment. Lions in the hen house, foxes in the hen house. Who knows? But we'll, we need to come up with a metaphor. That may be cryptic. We don't know. We don't like to speculate. Rumors are a dime a dozen. Uh, well, uh, shall we just go on with the? Uh, let's go on with yeah, the news that we. On. Let's go on with the news that we know. Start the countdown timer, and then we'll uh, we'll just go through uh, the various bits of uh, news, and we'll start with something completely unrelated to anything <laughs> about anything. Um, Green Coast Lager uh, labelling. This is a stone and wood story. It's been a story that uh, I've been looking at. You know, obviously we spoke to uh, Nick Boots on the uh, podcast. Was it last week or was it the week before? I Time's moving so quickly. Week, last yeah. week, um, just with the the insert about the Green Coast Lager. Um, you know, again, clean bottle lager. Absolutely that. Um, and I felt very uncharitable or churlish when a carton of it turned up for us to try um, at the Brews News offices. And I did what I always do, look at the label to see, given that it was a beer and down here as well. made under um, contract. Um, you know, it's got the made made by uh, Stonewood Brewing in the Byron Bay address, which is the food standards um, requirement that you have a address for service. But of course, there was a case little case um, that the ACCC brought um, back in 2014, um, looking at another Byron Bay brewery. And, and I, I need to stress, it was the, the, the fact situation there was a little bit different, so it's not drawing equivalence there. But after the fallout um, of, of that case, the ACCC gave some very, very clear guidelines to brewers about what their expectation is that should be on the packaging if you're a big brewer. And also, if you're a small brewer, the contracts, what should be on the packaging. So... Mm-hmm. I guess the point in that is that given that Green Coast is obviously brewed under contract elsewhere. Brewed under contract elsewhere. That, and they have said that. And um, obviously we know that it's Australian Beer Co. Um, Dan Yender. So, yeah. So it was an interesting one and a difficult one as well. To it, write, it, it they, I mean, these things are always difficult. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, but it's, it's, it's very important. Um, but anyway, so Stonewood's use of third-party brewing to facilitate its entry into the contemporary beer market has revived the contentious issue of transparency in labelling for beers made under contract. Last week, the brewery's general manager, Nick Boots, confirmed to Brewers News that due to ongoing capacity issues at its more woollen bar production base, the brewery had made the pragmatic decision to brew the new beer at Australian uh, 
beer companies, Yenda Brewery in central New South Wales. And as I just said, um, that fact wasn't, you know, the, the, fact, the fact that it may not have been brewed in Byron or was brewed by third parties wasn't reflected on the on the label. But I think uh, that's all we need to say for the news. Sure. Um, go read the article. Um, just goes through a little bit of the history of the labelling debate um, and maybe we can sort of park it um, for below the fold. Cool. Or nine o'clock, whichever comes first. Um, in re- oh, I guess it is related news. It is. The Gatherer, yeah. uh, which is one of my favourite unsponsored um, beers of the week. Um, the Gatherer moves to two birds. Indeed. So this, this was, I thought was an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, this was a nice one. I re- um, it was a really interesting one um, from a strategic point of view for like the fermenting group companies, obviously including Two Birds and Stone and Wood. So Stone and Wood, I believe they debuted the gatherer in about 2017 and now it is since obviously um taking over two birds uh it's moving to two birds so um i believe it's already brewed there um anyway and the other other part of that news secondary um i think really but lots of people led with it uh is that uh two birds is going fully into cans um and that's that's a sort of a strategic decision uh danielle and jane made um, they sort of talked to customers during the um, COVID period and found that, you know, I think what we all know is that everyone kind of prefers cancer. That's what's going on with them. Um, but interesting strategic move about the gatherer, I believe. I was like, does that mean that um, Two Bids is going to be doing, you know, like specifically experimental or stranger stuff? They're not going to have as much of a standard core range, if you want to call it that. And Danielle was like, no, we're we're all going to have our own things. Um, it just made more sense that the Gatherer, especially um, combined with Taco, um, would be a good little um, sort of range together. Um, and it's they just said it worked out together and it seemed like a synergistic situation. Um, so good on them. Yeah, I, I think nice it's certainly... One. It's, it's more, for me, it makes a lot of sense. It's more mm. of a, a two birds style of beer it, than it is. It does feel a, like a that, doesn't it? I couldn't quite quantify yeah. that, but I, it is, yeah. I, I think the marketing experts call that brand architecture or Ooh, something along those lines. Or, you know, mind you, please, uh, our marketing experts and our uh, <laughs> you know, people who know much more about this than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, G'day, Kel. Yeah, uh, let us know is that if, if, if that is, yeah, like, you know, because Stone and Wood has a very clear brand mm. um, within the Fermentum Group, yeah. um, currently the Fermentum Group. Um, That's it. Two birds has that you know with taco and some of those other um, what, what what did they call them they they had rice rice baby was it yeah was but it? were yeah. they strange that birds or there's a they do flight of fancy which flight is of fancy expen- that's that's it yeah flight of fancy yeah. yeah so strange strange breeds or rare breeds mm-hmm. and cross breeds was um, mountain goats uh, kind of their experimental uh, oh, range okay. yeah yep and it, it it just makes sense you know when yeah. rather than confuse people and you know there's no point just as we said at the time, no point just buying two birds and not changing, you mm-hmm. know, and having you know overlapping products and competing products and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes sense. So, yeah, awesome, good on them. And also, if you can, yeah, if you can brew then all of those beers out of the one facility, obviously it, it makes logistics and uh, you know ranging and sales and sampling and all that sort of stuff uh, a little bit easier as well. It's an interesting move given that uh, Stonewood has counterculture. As well, mm. so I think it's yeah, it's a, I think it's a good move. Yeah. So well done to them. Well, we talk about the <laughs> the other element of that story was um, move from bottles to cans. Yeah, I did you know, say that. Yeah, yeah. but well, we, we haven't really discussed it, oh, um, okay. and, and and the, the relevance of it, you know, yeah. because it is, you know, it, it's it's a hard decision um, because you know when you spoke to the team. Uh, a lot of people love the bottles and, you know, you don't want to, if you change something, you might, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. is it broke? You know, yeah. if, if, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
but how do you tell when it's broke um, or not? Yeah, that's it. And I mean, Danielle even said, you know, they've stuck to bottles for a few reasons um, because like their export customers favoured glass over cans, um, solid national ranging in glass, mm. and that, they didn't want to give that up. Um, and they'd already invested in bottling lines, so they just wanted to hold on to that when they could. And I actually... I, Controversial. I like a bottle. I, what are you going to do? I'm, I I'm the same. Bottle. As we've talked, Pete says just pour it into a glass. I'm a can man. <laughs> <laughs> but not yeah, a shower definitely. beer. Not a shower I've changed. beer. I've changed. I've changed. <laughs> no, well, some things will never change. <laughs> Beers are not to be drunk in the shower. But it, whether they're can, bottle or keg. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think for me, and, and speaking to people like Ben Krauss, one of the main reasons for the, the bottle preference is that you your restaurant market, but I, I'm just not convinced that that beer is a uh, compared to wine is really a a thing. But um, you're not going to make okay. it a thing, and certainly it's it's increasingly less so. But yeah. you, well, you're not going to so make it a thing yeah. either. You don't really give it a chance to because and that's one of the things that I've said, and you've you know poured scorn. I think you might have even used the odd <laughs> flog voice um, when you've when you've said it that it's inelegant pouring beer from a can. At a restaurant table, mm-hmm. um, whereas a bottled beer doesn't have that same. You guys are clearly going to some high-end restaurants. Like I don't think I, I get chucked a can in front of me. I'm okay with that. That's perfectly <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm getting hit for a pay rise here. Um. <laughs> yeah, man, what's going on? No, I'm not a fine dining kind of lady. I'll not lie to you. Um, but I, you can see you can see both points of view. I get it. But I also do think it's becoming much more normalised to see a can, expect a can, not think it's weird when there is a can. Um, I think we're just becoming like that as beer comes in cans. And also, post-craft world, you know sorry, it. Sorry, um, <laughs> and also, especially when you're looking at a, the design of a can, that's cool. If that's the sort of um, sort of vibe going on in your restaurant or your venue, then why would you not want to have a good-looking can there? Yeah, I think the thing with cans, and, and look, we, we've done this ad infinitum, we've said <laughs> a lot of it before, but in terms of the marketing, there's there's much more... Real estate. There's a, a, a more more of a billboard to write important things like maybe where your beer is brewed or you know whatever um, <laughs> important, important labeling issues you need thing, to whatever on. you consider to be important to you. Um, if you've got things, by the way, that you feel are important to put on your packaging, um, Relin's label stickers <laughs> yes. and packaging are able to not just supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They do can trays, tap decals, you know, the whole thing, just just the whole shoot and match. Um, the guys often get asked, though, um, well, you know, we're, we're now, say, for example, it could be two birds. Um, we're now having to brew the gatherer down here. So we don't have room anymore for um, a shrink sleeving machine to apply sleeves to our cans, which would be very efficient for us. Um, but it's not even an issue because the cans come to your door palletised and ready to fill, nothing more to do, except to call the guys on 1300 852 235 to discuss further. That's Relling's label stickers and packaging, and we thank them for their support. Claire, I heard a whisper that there's a $30 million redevelopment for little creatures. Indeed. At Fremantle. At Fremantle. Not, not the Geelong one. No, no, no. Um, so Lion is... Which nobody can go to at the moment. You can <laughs> no, go to the one exactly. at Fremantle. You can't go to the one at Geelong. Oh, God. Oh, so sad, isn't it? Um, but anyway, yeah, Lion um, have, has announced this week that it's going to invest $30 million uh, in redeveloping their Fremantle site. Uh, so brand new multi-level um, hospitality venue, I'll have the brewery in it and a rooftop terrace and it's all subject to approvals at the minute but obviously we think that'll probably go through so a lot going on at Fremantle obviously we've got gauge roads coming in in the next couple of years as well um so it's going to be absolutely buzzing there not that it isn't already but you know even better 
It is interesting because the the one thing I think that's that's a criticism of it, it, it does have its charm, but I think perhaps it's um, well, look, it's, it was groundbreaking at the time. Uh, you know, it was an old crocodile farm, mm. um, but right on the waterfront. You know, beautiful views. There's, there's nothing like a, a, just a beautiful, fresh poured pint or <laughs> schooner if you you know being a little bit more sensible and you want to have more than one um out on that the back deck there just watching the sun go down it's just a it's a beautiful spot uh but um with the creatures next door and the, all the different developments mm. that have been going on around there i think it's sort of it's perhaps showing its age a little bit i think needs a little bit of a revamp yeah i was there in a... god when was i there it was march april um, April, I think I was there this year, just oh, yeah. in, in a very brief, yeah, and I just was over for a few days and, mm-hmm. again, loved it. No, because I spoke to Russ Gosling. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I do. Over there. And, I, I, again, it's just such an amazing venue. Um, watching how that area's grown mm-hmm. and all of the buildings around it um, since I was first there in about 2005, yeah. 2006, when, you know, they've sort of um, grown and grown and grown and they're mm-hmm. completely landlocked mm-hmm. there. So... You know, and it's they're celebrating twenty one years, I think, uh, in in over the next few months. Yeah, that's it. So yep. interesting move. Wasn't there a um? Was it the Singapore or Hong Kong site that closed a little while ago? Like all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, right, I, I, I okay. think um, Hong yeah. Kong's closed. San Fran. Uh, San Fran. Singapore closed. Um, interesting. San Fran. San Fran repurposed to uh, New Belgium. New Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Um, which again, like it, Pete, that was one of the reasons why we went to. Oh, sorry, this is below the fold. We might oh, have sorry. a bit of a chat yes. about. Yeah, yeah no, I fault. think this is yeah. right off the. No, 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 right off the news. So. <laughs> okay. Cool. We'll move on. Uh, moving along, Claire. Lion, uh, while well, we're speaking of throwing money around like a... <laughs> Apparently <laughs> so, yes. Drunken sailor. Uh, they're investing $6 million in a de-alcoholising... de has got to be. Yeah. A zero up plant. They are indeed. So um, they will be brewing... Uh, this is at the Tui's Brewery. Um, they'll be brewing James Squire Zero, which they launched, um, I believe, in August, so just last month. And we spotted that the... They were going to invest in this dealcoholizing plan, and I was like, "Well, how does that work? Like, how do you do, how do you do that?" And so they were actually very transparent in how they did it. Um, and go and have a read; it's quite interesting. Obviously, we'll need more. Um, if you're a brewer, you'd want to know a bit more than that. But it was an interesting overview in the. Not a lot of people like to talk about how they make no alcohol beer, but Lion were very open about it. So yeah, very interesting on that front. Um, good on them, but clearly an investment that big. They're saying, you know, we've got confidence in this category as well. So, obviously, you know, they're throwing their weight behind it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, one year on, uh, Filter Brewing. Indeed. Happy birthday to, well, you know, oh, they've yeah. been around a while. In the, yeah, in the in the venue, since having their own spot, effectively. Um, so, I'd put it in my calendar and I was like, Do you know, this will be a really interesting one because they've opened... Um, middle of blooming COVID um, and we we did a piece a few months ago um, talking about new breweries that had opened but obviously Filter had a pre-existing brand it was pretty strong um, and I was like so how is it going and I spoke to Mick and Steph uh, from Filter who were delightful um, we probably ended up on the phone for way too long um, but we covered all sorts of bases um, how they'd won so many awards and how that was still going how Sam's doing um, having her own brewery and just how they've been able to be much more nimble and also a little bit sad because they're like look we're doing all right but you know what would be great if we could be fully 
open people standing up people like living their lives and just going about their business they said oh there's so much potential here and um they're planning an expansion so they can do about 1.1 million liters at the brewery now they want to be able to do about 2.4 million so they're planning for that expansion at the minute um still early doors um they're working on at the minute a new rooftop bar so loads of stuff going on at filter and um it was really nice to catch up with them really yeah. Uh, now we touched on the next story. We touched on a bit last week, I think, in Below the Fold, didn't we? Which is the um, the repackaging rules uh, that were changed for cocktails, but not for beer. I think we covered this in Mailbag, maybe. Um, oh, well, I'll tell you what it was. The, I think the Shout had written a story about yes. the cocktail thing, but then they hadn't even, they'd mentioned as like a side note down the bottom that beer wasn't included in this repackaging thing. So I got in touch with the ATO and I said, why on earth is cocktails but not beer allowed under these new um, permanent repackaging rules? It was very weird. Yeah, although, and again, somebody um, jumped into the comments and mm. said um, uh, that it was because spirits are taxed the same, mm-hmm. you know, whether bottles or um, packaged anyway. Mm-hmm. So whereas beer, it's a different, it's a differential excise for, for, for kegs, for kegs and. Interestingly, they didn't really say that, though, in their response to the ATO. They just said, oh, well, we consider, um, you know, mixing a cocktail, not manufacturing, but apparently putting beer from a keg into a... (laughs) Anyway, the logic was a bit squiffy on that one. However, that does make much more sense, and I would have accepted that. The one thing that that it does highlight is just how complicated excise rules are. Yes, um, exactly. Between wine, spirits, beer. Um, And as as when I was speaking to Alcohol Beverages Australia, um, they said the various industries agree on so much until it comes to excise (laughs) because they've all got their own point of view. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And that was another sort of side note um, that we'll keep an eye on from that ruling is that they have a a big um, sort of review going on in the background about deregulation and how to sort of streamline the excise process. So I'm going to be having a look a little bit of a further look into that because it's still early doors. They just closed consultation on it uh, at the end of last month. Um, but I think there's an, it's nice and it, there's an awareness that there's lots of issues around excise and the complexity of it and sometimes the stupidity of it. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that going forward as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of complexity, running a brewery involves lots of different complexities and support for this particular episode of Brews News Week comes from our friends at Scar Fabricating. They build reliable automated packaging line equipment. It's handcrafted to make life easier for brewers and their production team. So if you're a brewer looking for the best way to get your product out of your tap room and into the hands of your customers, Scar Fab has you covered. With a wide range of depelletizers, custom conveyance, date coating, rinsing, drying systems, the whole lot. In fact, as much as Relling's label stickers and packaging have label options uh, and printing options, Scar Fabricating have uh, options as well. They specialise in helping breweries of all sizes get their beer from the keg to the can or the bottle, but increasingly the can. To find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit scarfabricating.com today. That's Scar, S-K-A, Fabricating, to get started today. Um, speaking of complexity, again. Um, <laughs> all about well, complexity. Yeah, like the whole thing of complexity of, of ATO and everything. Mm-hmm. And if you find, particularly if you're in Melbourne or Sydney and you've been locked down for a thousand days mm-hmm. now you, you and you're, you're ordering lots of cocktails and you're ordering lots of beers mm-hmm. and you're ordering distilled spirits and all that sort of thing, you don't worry about the, uh, the excise, but you may be worried about drinking. Uh, is support available, Claire, for people who are concerned support about drinking? Support indeed is available. 
So we got a press release, I think probably our first one, um, from the Foundation of Alcohol Research and Education, who we have often mentioned on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Tick, tick that sorry box, about everyone. that. However, we will absolutely cover something if we think that it has uh, newsworthy value, if it is backed up with evidence, or if it, like this one... Um, imparts a good message. And we should point out that the Ian Fair is not evidence. <laughs> no, it absolutely is not. Um, however, we were absolutely surprised to find that they had sent us a very fair and very balanced media release just talking about, you know, if you do find that you're drinking a little bit more than you want to be doing or if you're feeling bad because of it, then please do have a look for support. And they put some um, good little links to uh, places you can go anonymously to discuss it, to talk about it, and to potentially, you know, help you out as well. And I thought that was a really, I know, I know we're often, we do often bash them, but it was a really nice and really fair and really helpful uh, media release as well. So we put that up and good on them. Um, not subsequently received one like that, but uh, we're, we're open to it. We're open to it. Yeah, and, uh, and credit where, where credit's due. <laughs> the next one's, uh, I guess, an interesting one. This is one where we probably should uh, uh, read this headline out of the side of our mouth, but uh, anyone want to buy a brewery? <laughs> Indeed, yes. So uh, Mildura Brewery and Pub is up for sale, uh, currently occupied by brew. Ding, ding, ding. Matty Wilson put it right on the uh, Facebook page. Go on. I, I, no, I... I... This is a commercial. It, it, it's not a. Story. It was a sponsor. It was a, it, sponsored it's a sponsored post. So via their hotel broker. Type I, people. I, I think it's an ad, isn't it's it? It's an ad. Yeah, it's an ad. To to be they completely appropriate, I think you know, acknowledge that it was a paid ad. Yep. Discuss what exactly was in the paid ad, yep. and if necessary, okay. any that's other fine. discussion can take place in below the fault. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mildura Brewery uh, is up for sale, so if you're interested, um, get in touch. Uh, there'll be a link in the um, episode notes to the people to discuss that with. Currently has a brewing capacity of um, 1.7 million litres, so the press release says. Um, get cracking. If you're interested, it looks like a gorgeous building, actually. Um, all jokes aside, you never know. It's, it's the old, and I don't know whether it's heritage listed mm. or it's it's very Art Deco, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the it's the old Astor Theatre, mm. so an old an old picture yeah, theatre. Gorgeous, um, loads of potential. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to get into a brewery, if you want to expand your brewery, if you want to, um, then click the classified in Australian Brewers News. <laughs> I think it's a sponsored yeah. post, actually, but yes, that's or, fine. Yeah, sponsored post. <laughs> and we'd have to assume, wouldn't we, guys, that you'd be able to pick it up for a bargain. Like, would, would, would the same kind of, let's say it was worth $10 million mm-hmm. and, a, and, a, and a slab's normally worth 80 <laughs> Could you get, like, two breweries for 35 bucks or something? Or? <laughs> you never know. The, well, the, the, the listing price, which I was surprised they included, uh, is a lucrative price point of $7 million. Oh, yes. That's an important point. Funnily enough, what they were going to sell the development. Never mind. Sorry. Well, anyway, they couldn't get the development. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just reading what we've been provided. <laughs> yeah, eight forty-seven. We've done pretty well. We've gone got, got through because there was a, a, a few stories uh, yes, that we had to get through. Uh, so if you do need to go, I'd advise just over now. Um, but if you do need to go, uh, now's the time to do it. So thanks very much for joining us. That's it for the news. But if you'd like to hang around for a little thing that we call below the fold. We'll start that now. And we always start uh, below the fold with the mailbag. 
And the mailbag is thanks to our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on all your social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Now, don't forget you can review us uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a, leave a review so that other people can uh, find out about the podcast. If you enjoy it, um, presumably you're listening to it because you enjoy it uh, and you'd like other people to do the same thing, um, let them know. Um, we certainly appreciate it. Um, you subscribe, uh, leave us a review, yeah, uh, all that sort of stuff, because it, it costs nothing and it helps other beer lovers to discover the podcast. And it can also put you in the running for a dog bone bar blade with Bruce News on it, just for us reading out a, a comment. And uh, who's done that this week? We've got a couple going on at the minute. So um, just on the repackaging one we were talking about, um, Gavin Spencer said, thanks for the article, Claire, as without the Bruce News team, I would have no idea of the change. It was a little bit fly under the radar on a Friday afternoon. It was very odd. Um, I find it perplexing that once COVID has settled, I can mix a cocktail and serve it takeaway, which is similar to an RTD and stronger in alcohol, yet I can't fill growlers with delicious fresh tap beer. Who is writing this legislation? Question mark. Um, Michael O'Shea also says, it's a ridiculous situation, no question about it. I hope the ATO comes to its senses. We should all individually phone our licensing contacts at the ATO and raise the concerns with them urgently. I hope the IBA can also take it up on behalf of the industry. I mean, that's exactly what we said, just about slightly silly rules and odd kind of weird rules for specific things and yeah yeah and i think too it'll be there will have been some obscure reason that it was brought in a thousand years ago Mm -hmm. and that's all just been lost in the mists of time and as with a lot of ato and general you know government fiddling and bureaucracy something starts as oh you know we need to solve this problem the problem solved the thing then stays there and becomes, you know, an advantage to somebody so they don't want to get rid of it. But nobody um, in the current team sitting at a desk pushing a pen at the ACO would probably have any idea how it came about and therefore, you know, why they should change it. Exactly. Um, But, I mean, it is such a laborious thing to change and unless people kick up a massive fuss about it they don't usually that's the thing but also like you say some of these things are so entrenched that it's like how are they ever going to untangle that knot um (laughs) hopefully hopefully we'll see some change anyway um but as michael says if you're bothered find get in touch with your licensing contacts see what's going on because at least then, um, in terms of, and I'm trying to think of what the PCI compliance or no, it's it's something else. Um, but you know, with government uh, bodies, if there's official correspondence, it needs to be logged and is therefore you know for FOI and all those sorts of things. So if nothing else, it leaves uh, okay. We're getting a fair bit of information about this particular issue from a particular group. That can sometimes be the the impetus that's that's needed to to start the ball rolling to look at altering, changing, adjusting the legislation. Yeah, absolutely. So well, write your local member. Do it. Get, get Whip up a fuss. That's there it. Send a postcard. <laughs> um, there's a few comments in the Facebook group um, about the, the Gage Roads ah, uh, and, yes. and specifically the, uh, yeah, yeah. the stadium beer deal. Indeed. Um, and that this was quite interesting because we did actually ask for someone to sort of weigh in. But subsequently to that, Gager has actually released a really nice statement, which got them so much credit and 
kudos to them. They did really well. They were like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, you know, it's part of the deal. As we said last week, that's what we assumed it was as to why uh, sort of Gage Roads got um, skipped for this one. And uh, I think it was CUB um, takes on the AFL grand final at Optus. Um, obviously, they said at the time it was like a, um, a, and Gage said, oh, it's a really big deal for WA to have this. So we kind of don't want to detract from this with this fight which is fair but on the technical side of things uh james omond uh lovely james he often writes in and gives us loads of advice about ip and trademarks but he said hey team great listen this week as always in uh this week's brews news podcast couple of legal points uh talking about contracts allowing a few non-contracted taps oh this is for taps um this is purely legal reasons competition law by way of example um back when uh aci pre-oi I think they're talking about glass, OI glass. The glass yeah. manufacturer. Uh, yeah. was the, uh, well, there we go. Was the only glass manufacturer. They had 100% by default, but their contract still required a purchase of a minimum of 85% and not 100%. So you couldn't write a contract that said... Uh, you have to do 100%. We, you have to do 100% of your business through yes. us. So okay. the minimum is 85, but obviously we're the only game in town. You're going to do 100%, yeah. but we just can't. We, we just can't inf- stress that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although they really did push it as far as they could. It's a really good comparison. Them. Yeah, Thank that you, is James. a good one. Um, and then on the Gage Roads um, delisting specifically, he says, I haven't seen the contract in question, but this is fairly standard practice. With a pouring contract, they generally have a carve out have to carve out a situation like the World Cup where they have to provide a clean stadium for things such as advertising, pouring rights, etc. That, that's a good point. And it's for things like uh, I know when I've been to the Rugby League World Cup um, yeah. game at, at Amy Stadium, mm-hmm. it then becomes the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. It's not, They're not allowed to call it Amy Stadium because it's an international event. Uh, okay. And Amy, as AAMI, as the, the naming rights sponsor, mm-hmm. It only includes, I think, you know, like local, it includes X number of, you know, games or whatever it is. But once it's it's then, if you like, that venue is hired out by the, and I think it's the Melbourne Olympic Park Trust mm-hmm. that runs that whole precinct there. Um, it, once it's sold to like an international, it's then, okay, all bets are off. It's um, because, because the international uh, broadcaster might have their own, it might be a car manufacturer, or it might it might be a beer manufacturer, mm-hmm. beer brewer, that that's then in competition with it. So, I think that's what James is sort of talking about. Yeah. That you've got a clean stadium, but I don't. As I say, I, don't, I, I the AFL has obviously said, well, look, you know, CUB is our, mm-hmm. and Carlton Draft is the you know the the overall, official beer of the yeah. AFL. So for this one, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. There was also another one from Name Redacted. I love <laughs> the Name Redacted. Name Redacted. I thought we had one of those emails that, you know. I thought we had all the anonymous ones like. No, we've, got, a, we've got another anonymous one. It, it says, yeah. starts who, off with. Who dis? <laughs> who dis? Here comes the classic, don't quote me. Uh, stadiums across Australia charge changeover costs in the event of a different beer supplier uh, being involved. Oh, they mentioned Stone and Wood at Stone Corp or AFL with the Wallabies. Um, the beer supplier who is incoming pays completely to flush the lines, clean them, and then fill them back up with the other supplier. Holy crap, that's such a pain in the ass. Uh, this cost varies per stadium, but for somewhere like Suncorp, it's around 60k, depending on how many lines you take up. I mean, that's not that much for CB, is it, really? 
Um, but it's still for a one-off event, you know. Yeah, but it's clearly worth it. They're not going to do it if it's not worth but it. it. And, and it also shows, no. you know, stadiums yeah. are an in- interesting corporate behemoth. You get to reach a lot of mouths in one hit. Exactly. The costs associated them with high. Um, so it, it's, oh, a yeah. big, it's, it's a big deal to... You know, breweries are going to a certain scale when they can mm-hmm. do this sort of sponsorship and yeah. get poured there. Um, but it reaches, you know, it's a, That's it. It, it, it. If you were the if you were the outgoing and the you knew that whoever was coming in had the responsibility, you know, the financial responsibility and the physical responsibility of cleaning out the lines, wouldn't you empty them and just leave them full of water and you just like <laughs> drink, you know, drink drink the taps dry? Because it's only going to be well, I don't know. But, the bigger stadiums, I know that the cool rooms can be a bit further away from the um, the, the distribution. Yeah, they're, they're fairly long lines. Yeah, yeah. So, there yeah, there you go. But uh, and just on that, um, it's worth noting the media reports. Um, you know, like mm. we, we we it had broken just before we went. And we recorded the podcast last year, and we just sort of said, "Oh, look, okay. it's not really a thing." You know, it's. It's business, you know, it's not a controversy yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, it was nice to see, you know, the, the way that Gage Roads played it, you know, fair bump play on yep. um, was the way it was reported in the uh, Fairfax media. Um, you know, and, and they ended up getting... They ended up looking really good. Tremendous mileage out yeah, of it. Yeah, loads of support. It went everywhere. Everybody covered it. Yep. Although I did speak to Gage and I was like, oh, yeah, well, like we were talking about something else. And um, then I was like, oh, yeah, nice one on that. Handled that well, and they were like, "Yeah, but only two journalists asked us, and everyone else just robbed it." And I was like, "Oh, that's the state of journalism now, is it?" Do your research. Yeah, as, ah. well, it, it, as best as resources allow. Um, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to point fingers. You know, we, we do the best we can. Exactly. Um, but the other thing was, and somebody shared in the Facebook group. I think, you know, talking about the craft beer bubble, you know, I, I think one of the radio stations, I think the 3AW or one of the newspapers in Western Australia covered it. 6PR. It's 6PR. And all, all of the comments were, oh, I'm glad, you know, at least we can get some decent beer. So, you know, we live in a little craft beer mm-hmm. bubble. There's the beers that we want to drink. But, yeah. you know. Not everybody's on that page. So much of it is still outside of the bubble and people just want what they want. That's it. Speaking of the bubble... An email from Jared Beaton. Yeah, he uh, Jared says, um, I was actually quite excited about Stone and Wood's 3.5% lager when it first mentioned. I do like a no-fuss beer from time to time, and I feel there's a gap in the market for a premium example of the style. I was actually screaming at my computer when Pete or, when Matt, or was it Pete, was slamming the concept on the week spot. That gave me pause for the hook, so I'm pretty sure that... You know, th- we, we discuss a lot of nuance when we talk about these things. Yeah, um, Which yeah. is what the podcast is better than the written word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure that for the, the beer itself, we were pretty um, pro. You know, it's the contemporary beer market. Is I think, that, yeah, the I other, think we had yeah. a little tease though, didn't we? Just a little. Well, just in terms of you know, the glass bottle yeah, and, the, uh, and, the, and the outsourcing. Oh, post-craft world. Yeah, we you know, revised a bit, you know. It it, it 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 is what it is. Have you guys uh, been able to try the beer yet? I have. Yep. I haven't. I haven't taken mine home yet. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's Any two good? Cans I know. You've I got can't a carry it. There. I'm getting the other half. To um, look, no faults. Not not bad. Nicely, you know. Again, nice, crisp. It um, darker than you would expect from a Ooh. clear bottle lager. You know, I think there's a little bit of crystal malt like in that. there. Um, Nice beer, and it, it, it's certainly, you know, almost to the point that I think some of the beer drinkers who like the really low-flavoured lagers mm. are going to, ooh, it's, mm. you know, it's got a bit much on it, doesn't it? I, I, you know, <laughs> like it's, 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 you know. 
And that might be That's so. I, I just assume that it was the beautiful, and I've declared it many times as my you know, one of my favourite um, Munich Hellas, your know, German Hellas mm. style lagers. That perhaps to compensate, do you think for the three point five versus the the five, they've gone a bit of crystal malt. I, I just assumed that they would just do a, a lower alcohol version of the same beer, but it looks like if it's a bit darker, maybe they've. Do you think they've gone for a up the flavour profile. There is a little, another bit to this comment I would like to read out if that's okay yeah, first. Um, however, that night I saw the, this is from Jared. Um, however, that night I saw the product lined up next to a six pack of Great Northern and it just reeked generic same old at 10 bucks a slab more. Now, I agree with Pete, or was it Matt? The clear bottle might have sounded like a great idea in the conference room, but on the shelf, no, no, no. If this beer is going to be around for in 12 months, Stoner would need to get those in brown bottles or better still cans ASAP to market and not a direct copycat. Interesting. Although, as you say, with the that's beer, a, a with the, if the beer is slightly different, if it's slightly darker, if it's slightly just ever so slightly more challenging, that is a good sign. No, that is that's. I think it is, yeah. but it, it, but doesn't that um, miss the point? You know, like, well, yeah, if, if you're going up your market, that, that's that, that's the thing. If, oh, uh, I need to try it. I I can't say anything until I've tried it. Anyway, um, I don't know. It is it's a tricky one. Um, we've all, also got. The comments flooding in on the Green Coast labelling. Someone's put, and this is my fault, uh, your sub-editor should have given you the headline, transparent bottles but not labels. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I couldn't help myself. It was funny. (laughs) Have we mentioned that, like, if you do need to get your labels? (laughs) What would you do, Pete, if, you know? Well, I'd call 1-300-852-235 to discuss further, Matt, of course, because uh, that's our good friends at Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging. Yeah, (laughs) and well, look, yeah, and I mean... Are we in below the fold now? Yeah, we're in below the fold Yeah, we're well and truly in below the fold by now. So, yeah, look, and very, very, very well played, William Wilson. Um, you you do make a very good point. Um, you know, um, <laughs> it, and to, to be fair, there have been a couple of comments about um, already on Facebook that no, Stonewall didn't revive this, Bruce News did. Oh, um, I saw that. And that the headline and then um, a couple of other, you know, sort of saying, well, you know... Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so if we didn't mention it, it's not real. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, look, obviously we're talking about the um, the, the labelling story. Um, yeah. Headlines are incredibly hard to write um, in a way that, you know, again, if, if we'd written what William Wilson suggested, you know, then you're accused of... Sensationalism. Sensationalism yeah. or, you know, snark and or things like that. Ass. Yeah, and mm. it's, it's very, very hard to capture the essence of the story neutrally in a headline that is you, you've only got six or seven words to fit within the space without making it look um so yeah so a couple of people made some suggestions that probably would have been better headlines um i disagree i um, think i think that that's just what Stone that woods labeling of green coast has reignited the debate that you know again it's probably much longer. Uh, again, mm. it wouldn't you know, when you've only got a certain space you can put it in. So anyway, look, take that on. Yes. Reignited is that like literally a bit inflammatory? Well, right? actually, I had reignited yeah, in it, and I took it thing, out yeah. because I said it was explosive. So um, I don't know whether the correspondent wants to be. Um, uh, I don't know if it's just one of our regular correspondents. Um, but yeah, look, <laughs> as we indicated when we're doing the news part of this, it's it's an incredibly hard story to write because. You'd, like you'd, you, you can't not help feel snarky. Well, and to be fair, there's been quite a bit going on at Stone and Wood in the last 
little bit, mm. isn't it? Oh yeah, no, yeah. But um, I, I'm just sort of talking about the story itself. As somebody else said, you know, no Stone and Wood didn't raise it. Bruce News did, and you're going well. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're no, covering no, no, it. No, no, we're no. writing about it. We didn't make it up. We didn't. We just. This has happened. This is there. We pointed it out. That's what news organisations yeah. do. So jog on. Anybody says differently. And to be fair, I wrote about it back in January um, when you know there was a whole lot of exclusively contract brewing labels that mm-hmm. were not being transparent uh, about it. There's a beer called Manly Hops that's sold in a cafe in a couple of bottle shops in Manly mm-hmm. that has the cafe address on it. There's not even a brewery there, you know. So, And I, I wrote about it back then um, because, as I say in the article, the IBA has branding guidelines that purportedly reflect the state of branding. You know, since 2014 when uh, the ACCC made its finding uh, on, on CUB and did a, you know, wrote to all of the existing players and how many more brewers are there, how many new contact track labels, um, you know, and if the a, if the IBA guidelines purportedly represent what the ACCC's opinion is, they don't because the ACCC uh, was very clear about, you know, they came on the podcast, you know, go back and listen to, um, you know, read the, 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 the stories at the time, all linked in, in the article. Um, the head of the ACCC came on and talked about it in January when I was doing that story, um, you know, I wrote to the ACCC and so said, look, you know, has your guidance changed or anything like that? And they were very, very clear. Big brewers have to announce, you know, have to declare their ownership. Small brewers, when they're contract brewing, should make that clear on the label. There's, you know, no nuance. There's no, you know, lack of clarity mm-hmm. in what they actually say if you ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's you know it, it it's it, it's a complicated issue, but you know forgetting that in, in in the case of this particular one and the news value of it, let's forget the competition law for a second. Stonewood has held itself out as an industry leader. You know Jamie was very very vocal on the issue when I was writing about the Byron Bay situation. You know he coined the phrase corporate comb over. He reused it in an AFR Australian Financial Review article in. 2015, talking about how stone and wood people were drinking stone and wood because they represented an alternative to the corporate comb over types, you know, and transparency and accountability were important. Um, you know, it's on the AFR. I did. I'm not making these things up. So quite apart from the law, if you're going to accuse the big guys of a lack of transparency, then that's the standard you set for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to hold, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you, you don't get to sort of say, well, the law's ambiguous or, you know, the, the, the ACCC isn't clear about it. You've made it clear mm-hmm. by your comments on the issue about others. Yeah. Um, and, and surely as a leader in that space, you should always do maybe not the easiest option, but the right option. It's, and it's hard, like, and particularly when no one else is doing it, mm. but if nobody does it, Nobody is going to do it, and mm-hmm. that's where the leadership position comes in. Um, but you know, um, as I say, you know, that, that, that's just based on um, the, the comments that have been made, you know, by the brewery. And it was—it's it's very hard. You know, we've Jamie is one of the is probably the most frequent guest that we've had on because we can, you know, absolutely respect what he says. And you know, we've we've canvassed all of these issues with him in you know half a dozen podcasts in the past. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, you know, Brad, Jamie and Ross 
high esteem. But actually, as I noted in, in, in the article, you know, when you go back to the 2013-2014 matter when CUB was doing it, it was very surprising that the CBIA didn't come out and take a position on it. Um, uh, about it, you'd think that a small the, the business representing the small um, brewers that they would, but you know, in when I was speaking to people involved in the CBIA back then, it was a vexed issue because they have members who are contract brewers and who you know Mountain Goat, for example, Cam and Dave revered by the industry. But then when, you know, in 2017, there was an article that Luke Robertson wrote for Good Beer Hunting, where they, you know, acknowledged that it was actually their relationship with Asahi that facilitated that sale. Um, and it matters because consumers, you know, if, if consumers can't trust what they're being told, you know, where is the authenticity and integrity around the independence label? Um, Anyway, like hopefully, I mean, you can't not sound ranty when you say these things, but it, it, it yeah, it's hard, but it's you know, I, I think it matters. I, I really, really think it's an issue that matters to the integrity of the industry. Does anyone else feel like we're kind of we're back in like nineteen oh four or something, and <laughs> you know, we're, oh, look, I used to love the Shamrock Brewery, but you know, now they've become part of bloody CUB. You know, <laughs> now I'm going to have to start drinking Richmond bitter. Oh, hang on, they've been sold as well. <laughs> Um, sorry, guys, if I'm a bit distracted, just been getting messages. Apparently, Lion has bought uh, Stonewood. Oof. There we go. Oh, I thought you were going to say they bought the Mildura Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, and, and again, look, none of this was, you know, the, the rumour has been swirling this morning. Um, Lion buys 100% of Fermentum is the breaking news that I've just... Uh, Oh, so not even just the stone and wood brand. No, no, it's no, the no. whole the, shebang. The, the whole shebang. Yeah. There you go. What was his name, Matt? The um, the Remington Razor guy. I liked it so much. I, I bought so the company. I was so impressed. I bought the company. So yeah. Well, particularly Matt, given that the three um, founders all made the conscious decision to move away from the corporate world. And look, I guess you mentioned Cam and Dave before, and there was a lot of um, feeling towards the the Mountain Goat guys. That yeah, well done, you know, eighteen years. You 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 were there when there was no support. There was no Bruce News. There was no you know. Um, it, it was pretty much all guerrilla marketing directed by them and, and generated by by them themselves. They were they were you know fighting to get their their brand on the on the shelves. Eighteen years later. Uh, in order to take the next step, they would have had to work twice as hard, you know, and all that sort of thing. So a lot of people said, fair play to them, well done, you know, you, you've earned your, your payday. Um, I don't know whether there's going to be the same sentiment this time I around. I think there's going to be lots of mixed feelings about this one. I mean, from a, a personal point of view, like, well, any of us say no to that kind of money um i'd be surprised but i I, I would say well done to them because if it means now you can all retire yeah um you've done the hard work yeah that's it and they have all wanted and they've talked about expanding for the last year or so and if this is the only way they could do it maybe that's for the best but at the same time you know that's going to be a sting for the industry well, I'm thinking too of, of you know, Jane and Danielle. I'm thinking of, you know, Sam and, and Tommy Delmont at, at, at Fixation, mm. um, and the Two Birds crew, because obviously it changes things. Well, well, it doesn't change the day-to-day, I guess, does it? No. I mean, that's in, I'm, I'm sure 
Jane and Danielle might have had an inkling of this one. Or, in fact, I can't say I'm sure. They might have had an inkling. I mean, this don't often happen overnight, these kinds of deals. So I wonder how long it's been going on for. But, again, this is all conjecture. We have no idea right this minute. Yeah. You are? I've got a, yeah, I've got a couple of cans in the fridge. I'm just going to go and check them now to just see if you, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's changed. <laughs> <laughs> you can taste the difference. I can't think of another brand. Like breweries have sold and independents, you know. And, uh, and plenty more will. And, and, and plenty more will. Um, and everyone that goes, you know, people care a little bit less. I actually think this one is much more significant than Bolter. You know, Bolter, when Bolter started, there was just this anticipation that they were going to sell. You know, there was an expectation. They were had the indie seal on and those sorts of things, but they never really held themselves out as being more than they were. And to be fair, Matt, Bolter was never was never, I guess, in the public consciousness in the in the craft, although even the post craft world, a bedrock brand because they were sort of too new. Yeah, and whereas Stone and Wood has really held itself out as being independent, you know, really driving that independence, the importance of independence, and you know, we've spoken to them over and over and over again, and again, you know, talked about it with Green Coast. You know, on one hand, Nick said that Green Coast drinkers weren't as engaged with the idea of independence and yet that beer you know just to make sure has the independence seal on mm-hmm. despite the the challenges of they're giving their money to a business whose profits are going to go overseas which is mm-hmm. the catch cry of of, of, of independence mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it called to mind when feral sold the iba you know wished um brendan well and sort of wrote you know very neutral um, things of saying, of course, he won't be eligible. When Bolter sold, Jamie was the um, chair of the IBA, and an email came out that was, I thought, a little bit snarky um, in terms of. It was a different tone to it, the one. It was a different tone. Directed at Ferrell. The value of independence doesn't falter, which was directly <laughs> targeted. Um, it it made the point that has since been disputed by the people involved, um, by the brewery involved, that, um, you know, Bolter's sale suggesting that they hadn't paid their IBA dues and that they knew they were going to be taken over, um, you know, which I, I thought was unnecessarily pointed and personal. Um, and then it said, you know, we need to maintain the integrity of independent beer on behalf of the hundreds of brewers who remain truly independent and be focused on supporting the small independent brewers who will benefit from that. Independence still matters to the IBA as a collective of breweries, and it still matters to the growing number of beer drinkers who place great plate value on it. While an individual brewer has chosen to cast aside its independence for a range of reasons, it does nothing to weaken the value of that conscious drinker's place on independence. In fact, there is a possible argument to su- suggest that it emboldens it. Um... And again, I don't know who wrote that. Um, there was language in there that uh, had I'd heard. Um, oh, sorry, Matt. Yeah. Aren't IBA aren't they? Isn't there usually a what do they call it? A byline or like aren't they normally like signed? Well, by this the was signed board by the board. Or? Yeah, this was signed by the board. But you know, also oh, not a, a, any from from memory. If you go back, other one. Yeah. So it was. You know, it. I I actually think that this is. Um, a straw that certainly puts a huge strain on the camel's back in terms of consumers to have such, you know, the leading, you know, the largest independent brewery um, sell to Lion. Um, Lion, which had previously cut them out of tap contracts and it stings though. I feel like it stings a little bit. It makes me feel a bit sad. 
you, you, you're basically hearing our reactions um, in real time. Not live because it's been a morning of busy. You know, yep. you, these things are so big that they don't actually. There's um, a trickle of it beforehand. But I've been hearing it for years. Like I've had mm. um, people sort of say, "Oh, it's the Foreign Investment Review Board," and it doesn't go to the Foreign Investment no, Re- Review ridiculous. Board until it's after it. So, you, yeah. like you hear, but yeah, this one seems pretty, um, pretty solid. Uh, pretty solid. Um, I'm. Be I wonder if they'll change their labels. <laughs> I'm I know be... somebody, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, we didn't even talk about uh, Brewdog partnering with oh, Asahi. and another one. <laughs> and uh, again, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, You're suggesting there's a conspiracy, mate. <laughs> no, but uh, again, you, you see if that. If you guys could possibly sell at the same time as us, then you know we can each slip under each other's radar. How how does the independence movement? Stop consumers from getting cynical mm-hmm. when this happens. When yep. a brewery that has well, it's going to be hard to build brand loyalty now, isn't it? If a new yep. partner, on, on a new any player comes onto the scene, you go, "Why do I want to get emotionally invested?" Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going to dump me, and then I'm just going to cry. <laughs> but on on on, a, on any business that's growing, the assumption is going to be, "Well, they're going to sell." Um, and that was the model, you know, back in the eighties. As mm-hmm. soon as you come big enough, you you get bored. Um, yep. And no, this time it's different. You know, we're smarter, and you know. Again, you know, I'll have to go back and listen to the, the the chat we had with Jamie when they announced the chat with uh, when they announced the purchase of Two Birds, um, which is now no longer independent. Um, you know, Tommy Delmont left Mountain Goat um, when they were bought by Asahi, no longer independent. You know, it's uh, th- th- there's a bit of a flow on effect. But you know, I'll go back and listen to to Jamie because when they were talking about the financing that they were going to get for this new brewery, um, you know, I asked them about the decisions that they were making and, you know, what they were going to have to do and they were looking at an IPO and they were looking at all of these mm-hmm. all of these things. And, you know, certainly a sale wasn't one of the things that he canvassed. Yeah. And I just didn't believe they ever would. I re- don't know why. In my heart of hearts, I was like, no, never, well, never. It, incredibly hard to step <laughs> out of the deeply personal feelings mm. um, and, you know, objectives. So that, that was me as a... Trying to be objective. And cards on the table, Matt. The loveliest blokes. The the, I, the the team that they've assembled there. Like everyone who 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 has worked with them and for them and represented them. Just like they have a knack for just picking really good people. And all of their staff who are going to benefit from this and and all of this. But I know that in this is the personal part. In an hour, I'm going to get a statement that is going to have some quotes from the founders. That is going to be, I, I can only imagine, is going to be diametrically opposed to every other conversation that we've ever had with them. You know, yeah. we've had Jamie on the podcast and talked about whether they would contract Brew, um, and he's given all of the reasons why they wouldn't. Um, you know, uh, you know why they would, why independence matters. Um, all of these things, and we're going to get it. We're about to get a media release saying, "Oh, isn't this amazing? We're really happy. This was a great decision for the business. Nothing's they were the right change. partner for us." Oh all God. If we need to have a bingo card, let's have it for the buyout statements. And we're on dangerous ground because we don't know what they're going to say. Like we, we yeah. don't know what's it, it's it's been. It seems to have been confirmed, but we don't know what they're going to say. But you know, it's it is like it's when when you're accused of being cynical. At the best of times, it was a brewery like Stone and Wood. You know that I, I, I always used to argue. You know when they kept all of their production in house despite the fact that they had capacity constraints. You know the opportunity cost of brand versus growth was one of the things that fired me up about the the, the labelling thing. Um, and you know, 
the hope that they could grow, you know, whereas the even the New Belgiums and they could learn from New Belgium and that they could grow, um, you know, and I'm sure they've got their reasons and they're going to do it. And, and you you can say that you can wish them every you know success. They they have revolutionised so much a part of you know Pacific Ale. I think there was a new Pacific Ale. You know, they've created a style. They've done something truly unique, um, and they've built a, a brand. But at the same time, a big part of that was we're doing it differently and better than the big brewers. Um, and what does the fact that they have either decided to sell for personal reasons or felt they've had to sell for business reasons say about the future of independence in the country and independence and growth? Um, and that's Drink beer that you like. Drink beer that you... Well... What's left now? Like, yeah. Do we say it's, it's, it's safest if you want to you know, avoid that emotional trauma to drink at uh, a small local brew pub that has no um, no intention of growing. Oh, amen. I'm going to stay <laughs> stick to Brandale Brewing Company. I'm going to stay there. Ryan, don't sell out. Don't do it to me. I need your food trucks <laughs> on a Wednesday. I can't live without them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that might be my route forward, actually. That sounds better. I'll go keep hyper, hyper local. No, but no, no one that's going major. Well, no it doesn't look like. Well, uh, uh, well, it it doesn't look like there's a middle ground because I mean, mm. who, who is there? There's, um, they were the biggest brewery, seventeen to twenty million apparently um, liters. Um, I think Young Henry's was around about twelve million, and the Gage was just under that. So that was probably well. Be Gage the is top publicly three. listed, and and that, and you know. Oh, again, yes, fair point. Does that count? There was a lot of side eye casted the publicly listed breweries. And things like that, um, but you've got. Come on, though, it's not being bought by Lion, is it? It's slightly well, different. <laughs> it, it, but it hasn't. Um, you know, um, it's yeah. It, wow. it, it, it's very hard to be dispassionate. You know, mm. again, it, it, we can't say enough. All the congratulations on on what they've they've created something. You know, like, I, I can't say revolutionary because I haven't. They've created something very, very significant and valuable. End of an era. It's going to be very interesting to see what this means for the independence movement as the largest independent movement. And mm. I wonder how long it's going to – I wonder how many labels, independent <laughs> labels they'd bought. Yeah, but Lionel the make, Lionel make them change week. it, to be fair. <laughs> change their labels. Well, Join <laughs> us next week for a special six-hour presentation <laughs> of uh, Radio Brews News where we just read out comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's going to be a six-hour rallies <laughs> commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with that. Anyway, a yeah, let's let's wait. But it will be gold standard. Okay. <laughs> let's wait and see what comes, because um, we're yeah. you know, this is all what it is um, based on information that comes out. You, you get to hear the live stream thoughts delayed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! But yeah, it's 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 an interesting time for all of us, uh, and an interesting episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we would love to thank. We'd love uh, to hear your thoughts. Exactly. Crime Alt, uh, Rellings Label Stickers of Packaging, Scar Fabricating and New Zealand Ale Trail. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on this memorable episode of Brews News Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. I have been. <laughs> and she's been Claire Burnett. I have indeed. They are still independent. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> Again, just just putting it out there. Not that we've ever had any offers to buy this thing, but just so there's no confusion, um, we are a commercial business. We sell advertising. We don't sell our new coverage. But if the business, if somebody wants to get into publishing, if there are any young journalists out there, um, make me an offer. <laughs> I think I'd have to walk. Sorry. 
Well, that's <laughs> if you got owned by Murdoch, that'd be the end of it. I'd be off. Oh, I don't think we're quite in that in in that league. Yeah. Oh, what are you talking about? Until next week. Drink fresh. Drink very local. Drink hyper local. Uh, look after yourselves and each other, and wash your damn hands. <sighs> and wear it. <laughs> that was the boom. That was the boom for the week. <laughs> and we're out. don't forget if you like what we do here at radio brews news you can help us out in a number of ways you can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation you'll find details in the show notes you can also review us on itunes or whatever your favorite podcasting service happens to be let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.